This is Guitar Talk. To me, it just seems like there are endless possibilities. One of the things I like to find out, you know, how people got influenced in the play and the guitar, because stories are so unique. The trick is not to feel pressured to conform. If you know anything about Joel, he's been around the block. He's probably one of the most sought-after guitar players. How would you create that song? How would you turn that song into your song? There's not a guitar player on this planet that I personally don't follow closer it, it's not something that you see too often. I only know a few players that do it. Now, from the home of the blues, Chicago, Illinois, welcome to Guitar Talk with your host, Jimmy Warren. All right, welcome everybody to Guitar Talk. I'm your host, Jimmy Warren. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's really great to be back. I tell you what, <laughs> I don't know why, you know, it, it makes me chuckle a little bit when I think about some of these guys that we get coming on the show and just how good they are. Wow. You know, today I've got UK guitarist Ben Poole. Now, Ben is a blues rocker boy. I tell you what, he is, he's flat out good, man. Really, really good. And uh, I got an opportunity to sit down with Ben uh, not that long ago uh, through uh, Zoom. And, man, we got to talk about his new album. We got to talk about his gear and his love for Telecasters and Les Pauls and his version of Don Henley's Dirty Laundry and all all kinds of really good stuff. You're really going to enjoy this conversation because Ben is an exceptional person all the way around. You're really going to enjoy this. So... I'm not going to waste any more time. We're going to jump right in. This has been Pool on Guitar Talk with me, Jimmy Warren. So how's things in the UK, my friend? <laughs> uh, we're in lockdown at the moment, so yeah. Uh, so everything, pretty much everything's closed, just shops. and There's not a lot to do right now, but the lockdown's been lifted next Tuesday. Uh, so well, that's good. Back out. Yeah, but what, what about over, the, over there in the States? Is everything it's the same way, yeah. I'm right outside of Chicago. Right, yeah. So, I saw that on your on your Skype on your Skype thing in Chicago. That's that's cool, man. Yeah, so it, it's the same thing. We're we're pretty much shut down. I mean, you know, majority of the United States is shut down, except for you know remote states, you know, like Montana and you know, you know what I mean. Yeah. Some yeah. of the some of the southern states are open a little bit, you know, and got some things going on, but. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, everything's pretty much shut down until, yeah, it kind of it kind of sucks for everybody. But it seems like you know tours are being booked for the summer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's just fingers crossed that everything's going to kind of get back to normal as soon as possible. And if that's, um, I mean, I'm kind of prepared for the first half of next year to still be difficult. Um, but hopefully, you know, from sort of summer onwards everything's going to hopefully be back to normal and we can all resume our careers. <laughs> yeah. So, so what do you do in, in the downtime? Are you writing? Are you giving lessons? Are you doing, you know, some live stuff on virtual or what is it you're um, doing? Well, like, I don't know. I mean, to be honest, even though this year has been slow as far as work goes, I feel like I've actually been quite busy. Like, um, cause the start of the year, Obviously, everything was still fine. So I toured, I was touring quite a lot um, in February, March. I feel like I was really lucky, actually, because I did so much touring the end of last year from sort of September. I was touring all through September, October, November, December. And then I had shows in February and March. You know, my last shows were in 
in Moscow and um, Yekaterinburg in Russia and then I did one in France and then I, f I finished my UK tour literally the week before everything shut down and things went a bit crazy. So I was lucky in that I did so much work compared to a lot of people who had tours booked for March and April time that all their tours right. were cancelled. And I was going to get a little bit quieter anyway. So then like March, April, May, sort of into June, that was that was, that was was quiet and kind of tough, you know, just being at home. But I tried to use that time effectively just for writing. And um, I started doing uh, online teaching and stuff like that again, which I haven't done for a long time. But it's just something to, to keep, keep a bit of income coming in and just to stay busy, like more just to stay mentally, like uh, just motivated and um, like creative. Um, and then I've managed to, I, I mean, I've, I've been really lucky. I've managed to do more shows than most people. Like I, I went out to Holland in um, July, did a few shows. Then August did a few more shows. September I was in Austria, Germany, um, and um, Holland. And then I, I buggered off to Greece for two months and I was playing solo shows out there. I was just like, ah, fuck the UK, I'm, I'm, I'm off. And I went, <laughs> I went to for two months and just played in bars and stuff. So. Well, yeah. again, not doing not doing too much of my own stuff, and not doing the touring that I'm used to be used to doing. You know, with my band and crew, and going out in the van, and you know, doing doing the doing the stuff I'm normally doing, traveling across Europe. But um, at least I wasn't stuck in the UK with nothing. You know, uh, like a lot of my friends and, and peers in the, in the music industry, they've they've done nothing this year, especially for like drummers and bass players and keyboard players who rely on having you know um, the main artist. If they're not yeah. going on tour. You know, like my, my boys that are normally with me, you know, my bass player's done, my bass player that's normally on tour with me, he's done nothing this whole year because I've not been able to actually tour. Whereas at least for me, I've, I, I'm lucky that I've managed to, I can do the solo acoustic thing. So I've just done loads of solo, solo and duo shows. Um, and then came back a few weeks ago and just been home kind of writing and writing and uh, teaching a little bit. Just trying yeah. to stay busy. And um, yeah, just hoping that things are going to pick up again next year. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, you're writing on, you released a, a live album this year, right? Yeah. You know, so, uh, you know, so hopefully, you know, you're, you're writing a little bit on that and get some exposure and keeping your name out there, you know, through that, which is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that came out officially that came out in January, but I'd already been touring that album for a couple of months before that. Uh, so I managed, but still, I was hoping to tour that album for this whole year, you know, so yeah. I just kind of, just kind of kicked off with it and, then all of this has happened, so that kind of touring, that that trio live album, um, sort of obviously got put on the back burner a little bit, and hopefully we can just pick up um, promoting that a little bit next year, and let's see what happens. Really, it's like I know a lot of people have been recording albums during this time, but for for me, it kind of it just didn't really make sense unless I can actually tour a new album, like properly yeah. tour album. Then then I just I just decided not to not to bother with that until, until I know the, the shape of things in, in the world and, and with, with the business, with yeah. the with promoters and everything and see what's, kind of see the lay of the land and until I know what's going on, then I can start to make some decisions. But at the moment, everything's up in the air, isn't it? No one knows what, what's going on from day to day. Yeah. 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 I, I know some people that have had their tours, you know, rescheduled starting in June, but once again, you know, you know, you don't know. So have you been, to, have you been to the United States yet? Have you toured the U.S.? Um, yeah, I've done I've done a, a few shows. Um, I'm supposed to be back there in June next year. Actually, I'm supposed to be coming to Omaha, Nebraska, where I've played quite a few times. There's a festival yeah. there called Playing with Fire Festival, which is which is great, really cool festival. I'm really really good friends with the 
with the people that run that. So I came out in, I came out a few years ago and played a festival with um, Robert Randolph and, um, 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 oh, what's his name? Otis, Otis Taylor. Oh, okay. Otis yeah. Taylor, yeah. That was wicked. Yeah, and I was like 8,000 people, something like that. So that was cool. And um, yeah. yeah, I've done a few, a few little things, but I'd like to do more and hope, you know, I was hoping for, I had plans to come out and do a lot more, a lot more stuff um, this year, next year. But again, we'll see what happens. I'm supposed to be coming to Canada as well next year. So but yeah. we'll, we'll see. One step at a time. One step yeah. at a time. You know, one of the things, I, I, first of all, I got to say, I, I really love your playing. I, I mean, I think you're, uh, yeah, you're, you're a really talented guy in, in a lot of ways because uh, your playing's emotional, but yet, it's um, it's uh, um, how do I work? Your phrasing, it's it's like you don't overstep, you don't play too much. You know what I mean? It's like you've got a you've got a good. I don't know. So, some guys, you know, tend to step on themselves way too much. Yeah. But you just seem to say what needs to be said in a tone that is just is just killer. And uh, I, I, you know, I think it shows a lot of maturity as a player for a really young guy. I think it's really cool. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. It's, uh, I guess it's one of them things, like as I've got older, you start to, you know, when I, when I first started out and um, started to get the, the, te the technique comes, comes with just, just practice, right? So it's something that most people can, can develop is like a good technique and the speed and stuff like that. And, and you, and I guess everybody, or a lot of people, kind of go through that that phase of playing too much because suddenly they've got the ability and they're like they want to just they want to just play over everything because suddenly they have all this like freedom with the uh, with the kind of the technique and and um, things like that. But then as I've got older, you start to realise that the phrasing is important and the spaces are just as important as the as the notes you play. Yeah, and I think it's something that's going to continue to go that way. You know, right? It becomes more about the song. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Than, than the guitar playing in that. Yeah, yeah, that exactly. Makes sense. That makes sense. You, you, I mean, you've managed to, and not only is your playing really good, but but your tone is, you know, is really, really nice. Now, I, I see you a lot with a telly. Yeah. You know, I'm guessing that's your main your main thing. Is, yeah, is that... probably the tellies I play probably 70% of most of the shows, and then 30% of the show is um, on the Les Paul. Yeah. So, I love my Les Paul as well. I've had that for a, you know, for a, for a long time. I grew up sort of playing Les Pauls and then found the telly a little bit after that. But I love going between them both because they're such different sounds that you, I find that you play them differently. The way I play is very different when I play the Les Pauls as opposed to the telly. Exactly. It feels different. Yeah. Yeah. Is, that's the way it is with me too. It doesn't matter what kind of guitar I pick up. I play each one differently because I don't know. It just yeah. feels different to me. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You just your whole approach is completely different depending on the on the guitar. Yeah. Yeah. And it, 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 it always fascinates me to see somebody that that doesn't affect because I look at guys like like Robin Ford or uh, Mark Goldenberg or Carl Verhagen and guys like that that can pick up a guitar and it doesn't matter what guitar it is. You know what I mean? It just it's like it's like seamless. It's like yeah. it's them. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? And when yeah. you ask them about it, because I've asked them, I said, well, does it feel different to you? And it's like, no, I'm just, it's a guitar, you know? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't get it. And that's, that's, a, that's an amazing um, 
kind of thing to have when I mean it's just again it's, just, it's all on the fingers isn't it so when Robin Ford when Robin Ford plays he just sounds like Robin Ford no matter what he's doing it's like yeah. um, and Jeff Beck and people like that you know yeah. I was lucky enough to, I played with Jeff Beck um, quite a few years ago now but he just he just picked up a stock um, it wasn't even a USA strat it was just a Mexican strat took it off the wall never played it before plugged into a Marshall amp he'd never played and he just sounded like Jeff Beck instantly it was it was it was incredible that's because it's in the hands don't you think it's in the hands yeah it's in the hands yeah it's it's in the hands and stuff but you know one of the things that i noticed about your playing is and and maybe this is something newer over the last uh couple albums is the the heavy use of fuzz yeah and yeah I, that's only kind of kind of a recent thing i never really touched or messed, messed around with the fuzz pedals until a few years ago um, but then on the on the Anytime You Need Me studio album, which came out in 2018, um, we, we started messing around with fuzz sounds and kind of, um, yeah, that, that kind of Gary Clark Jr. sort of sound mixed with a bit of Lenny Kravitz kind of thing. And um, yeah, it was just, yeah, I was quite, I've been quite enjoying messing around with a bit of fuzz just for the last, just for the last few years. It's kind of a new thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've never been able to to acquire a taste for it, but I, I always appreciate it when somebody else can use it well. It's like a wah, you know what I mean? Some guys can play a wah really, really well, yeah. you know, or a volume pedal. You look like uh, Mark Knopfler on a volume pedal. Yeah. I mean, the guy's a master on a volume pedal. Yeah. But, you know, some guys know how to work that stuff, and you seem to know how to, to, to utilize the fuzz really well. Well, thank you. I, I feel like I'm still trying to work my way around that. Um... It's more for like, it's where it's, 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 it's making sure that when you use that sound, it, it fits in the mix with the band. That's the trouble. That's the trouble. Like I always find like, for me anyway, you know, I'm, as I said, I'm still new to playing around with fuzz pedals. And um, I, found, I always find that they sound amazing when you sit and play on your, when you're playing on your own. But uh -huh. then sometimes when you're playing with a bass player and a drummer, it's hard to get, it's hard to get it to cut through or to sit in the right place in the mix. So yeah. there's something I'm still, still working on. <laughs> Yeah, well, you're doing a great job. It sounds great. Thank you. You know, the album sounds good. So I got to ask you, you know, what was it that, that in the very beginning influenced you to start playing to begin with? Um, well, I, I started playing guitar when I was about nine, and I was just playing um, like a nylon strung acoustic guitar. My, my dad was a musician uh, for a long time. He's not anymore, not for a, not for a while now since I came along, but... Um, but there was always musical instruments laying around the house, so I kind of expressed an interest, like, like a very loose interest at some point when I was nine, and so my mum my started um, getting me guitar lessons, so I was learning nylon strung um, classical kind of acoustic guitar, and then I did that for a few years, didn't really have a massive passion for it, and then I got a really good guitar teacher, who, who really inspiring for sure. Um, when I was about 12 and he started showing me uh, Jimi Hendrix and Gary Moore and Black Sabbath and Guns N' Roses and like all the cool names that for me uh, just the more exciting like loud stuff and when I heard Voodoo Child by Jimi Hendrix that's what made me want to uh, get an electric guitar and kind of that's when I really started taking it seriously. Yeah so would, would you say that your your influences are are really divert well it, it would have to be if you played you know some form of classical too your influences are really diverse i mean do you listen to to like country and fusion and jazz and all that and yeah yeah i, I love um i love country music listen to uh in fact when i was because uh, i did a degree in music which is one of the one of the another one of the turning points in my kind of career was when i was 18 i went to music college and 
for one of the years you had to pick something that you you never like um, sort of delved into it a lot and and I'd always had a, always had a, an interest in in country music and country players so I spent like a year just really studying you know Brad Paisley, Danny Gatton, Brent Mason, uh, uh, Albert Lee you know all, the, all these kind of killer killer country guitar players and really worked on the hybrid picking because my, my fingerstyle technique was already fairly good because of all the classical playing that I'd done but mixing the, the plectrum with the with the fingers as well was something I'd never really worked on so I started just smashing that for like a year and now it's like a really important part of, of my playing. Yeah. So, so what would, what would you say, you know, from them early days of, uh, you know, maybe going to school and just learning to play in that, what were some of the, the things that, that you did, um, uh, that, that help you be the, help you become the player that you are right now? You know what I mean? What are, what are some of the things or, I don't know if they're techniques. Some of the turning points. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, it's always just, uh, rather than like, I guess the technique, it's more just when I've discovered certain players. So like I said, like first it was Jimi Hendrix. That was a big thing when I was like 12 or 13. And then Steve Ray Vaughan when I was 15, 16. You know, as soon as I got the Live in the El Macambo DVD by Steve Ray Vaughan, I just watched that religiously like every single day for a year or two years. And uh, and then um, and then obviously the country, doing the country music, going to college. And what, when I went down to college, you know, it's like three years of my life. So... I had to make the decision of like, if I'm doing this, I'm all in, you know, I'm not just going to piss around and then I'm going to go and get some other job. You know, I already knew I wanted to, after getting the Steve Ray Vaughan DVD, I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to be a blues rock guitar player and from my own band and write my own song and stuff like that. And um, so that was key. And then going to music college gave me the opportunity to just really focus on, focus on guitar playing and, and just being a professional musician and try and hone, like, hone my craft and play every day. And surrounded my, you know, you're surrounded by, I was surrounded in a classroom with like 20 people and there'd be one guy who's into jazz, one guy who's into metal, one guy who's into country, one guy wants to be a session guitar player, one guy, guy wants to do this, do that. So that was great, you know, learning from your peers, not only, you know, not only from the teachers, but from the peers and the people that you're, you're hanging out with every day. So that was important. Um, and then I listened to a lot of soul music for like, uh, for the singing and, um, you know, that was a big, a big turning point, like, uh, listening to Otis Redding and Marvin Gaye and Donny Hathaway and people like that, you know, that that's kind of the soulful side of, of my music. Um, but going back to the guitar, the guitar playing, it was just, um, yeah, just being surrounded by like not, not being, um, not being dismissive of certain kinds of music. Like you said, you, you kind of hear that I've been inspired by lots of different kinds of music and, um, I think that's important, like just to be really open and to take take a little bit from every style of music. Even if uh, I knew I wanted to be more in the blues rock genre, it was like not it's like being a sponge and trying to trying to take a little bit from everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to be able to to soak in those those influences. I know a lot of guys pay attention to you know to horn players or to you know violinists. Yeah, you know things of that nature. I know a lot of guitar players that are huge Coltrane fans. Yeah, no, yeah. they follow his music in in that because I think it it, it helps. It, I think it makes you focus or approach the guitar differently. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I think that, that I think Robin Ford said that, didn't he? I think he he listened to a lot of um, horn players or sax saxophonists. Yeah, he's he's one of those guys that focuses yeah. a lot on. In fact, there's a really cool. Um, 
on on Michael McDonald's first album, there's a there's a solo that Robin Robin Ford plays on it, and he he mimics the he plays um, he mimics the saxophone solo. So when you hear the solo, it's like the saxophone and Robin Ford playing playing along to it. Exactly. He's obviously listened to the sax player, and then he's got oh I can follow that. That should be cool. <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it changes the whole dynamics of of who you are as a player. You know what I mean? It adds another dimension. I yeah. think, you know what I mean? Cause some guys get locked in and, and don't get me wrong. You know, they get locked in and they're great at what they do. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it seems like, I don't know. You seem like the kind of guy that you probably got to be challenged a little bit too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you're always, you know, you're always, I don't know. Some guys go through this whole process with blinders on and all they see is, is the end game. And so they're just focused on whatever it takes to get to that end game. And sometimes that means, that they, you know, they bring in all this other, these other aspects that just kind of, I don't know, they, they change over time and over yeah, years. Yeah. That makes sense? Yeah, yeah. And um, obviously, it's, you see yourself doing that, don't you? Yeah. And like you said, it would be, it's easy, it'd be easy to just listen to guitar players. And yeah. then you just, you're kind of not doing anything new. Whereas if you start listening to horn players and stuff, you approach the instrument differently. And you have different phrasing because horn players always phrase things differently, and yeah. this opens up again. It's like being a sponge and not not neglecting not neglecting anything. Being able to take from everything you hear, everything that you think, oh, this that sounds cool. Like that that horn line's great. Go and learn it. Learn why it sounds great. Yeah. So yeah. how much time do you spend yourself? You know, I'm uh, playing and practicing. I know, like right now, with you know, with with things the way that they are, you know, there's a lot of guys that are. You know, I talked to one guy that just learned a new technique. I mean, he's a phenomenal player, and he just like, well, I've never learned to do this, so I just took the time to learn to do something different. You know, or yeah, are yeah. you in that that phase too right now? Or yeah, I guess um, this year I've been playing been playing quite a lot. Like I said, I've been playing a lot of acoustic guitar, so that's been yeah. which is a which is a hell of a challenge. You know, I've been doing a lot of solo shows, which is um, yeah, it's uh, not easy. <laughs> Yeah, I love, but I love it for the challenge, and I, um, yeah, I'm kind of honing that that side of things. I've always I've always played solo shows a little bit, but really, really honing that down. You know, trying to trying to keep rhythm, and you know, especially when it comes to solos, because I've I've not I'm not really the biggest fan of using loop pedals. I don't know why. I just feel like it's a bit of a cop out, or yeah. like a cheap, a bit of a cheap thing. I try, so uh, trying to trying to go into sort of some sort of instrumental breaks in songs. Whether it's my own songs or whether I'm maybe doing some covers, if I'm playing when I was playing in Greece, I was playing a lot of cover stuff. But um, trying to trying to keep the rhythm going and trying to keep some bottom end kind of bass thing going and play some lead as well without it kind of sounding thin because obviously when you're on the acoustic guitar, you go to those top strings, it can suddenly thins out and then yeah. you, you lose all that all that you know um, the, all the frequencies that are thinning out your sound. Um, right. So that's been that's been a cool challenge doing doing that. Um, but to be honest, like I don't, I've, I haven't really been playing loads of electric guitar. Yeah. Uh, it's been, and, and I've been songwriting, so I usually, I always songwrite on the acoustic guitar. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, yeah. But, um, I did just get a new, I have been playing a little bit more electric, so I just got this new guitar. This one here. Oh, wow. <laughs> which is a Ben Paul Signature. Wow, guitars, which, they, which they built. It's, they've been building it for me for about six months, so I've been playing this quite a lot. See, everything's exactly to spec, um, yeah. exactly what I asked for. It's like um, bird's eye maple neck, 
the Blue Flame, everything, all gold hardware. Uh, it's got Four Seasons pickups in it. Yeah. Um, it's got like on the headstock. It's got um, well, I stand up next to a mountain. I chop it down with the edge of my hand, which is the first <laughs> oh yeah booty chart, which I've got tattooed on my arm as well. So that's why I wanted that on there. Uh, uh, yeah, and picture of me on the on the neck plate there, which is a surprise from them. I didn't ask for that. That's really cool. But yeah, I've been, so I've been playing that quite a lot, which has been fun. It's, obviously, it's always nice to get a new guitar on. It's been a while since I had a new electric, so I've been playing that a little bit, just twiddling on that. Yeah. So, so do you do you modify your guitars at all when you when you get them? I mean, is there any tweaks that you make to them that you know that 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 help you out? I know, like like me on Telecasters, I like to the the tone and volume in the selector, I like to switch them so that the volumes, the first pot as, as opposed to the selector is usually what's first, you know, on the tellies. Yeah. Ah, that, okay. I don't so know why, but I like this middle. I like, yeah, well, I like to put the, the volume, then the tone and then the selector. Right. Okay. Okay. I, I don't know why. Right. No, no, I mean, each to, each to their own. Yeah. I've never, yeah. Even, I never, thought about that to be honest i just kind of got used to how it is but that's yeah. um that's a, a fair point though it depends if you use the volume if you use the volume of a lot then it kind of makes sense to do that yeah yeah, yeah. but do you do you do you modify your stuff so in any way all my tellies have got four seasons pickups in so i put different pickups in all of them yeah they're a really great um really great pickup company that quite small but they're based in based in the Netherlands and he makes amazing pickups for a lot of big names and uh, he's a good friend of mine. So, and they sound amazing. So I've got them in all, all of my, all of my tellies. Yeah. Uh, but the Les Paul, I don't dare touch it because I know I could probably find some decent pickups, but I just love the sound of it anyway. And I've, I've had it for, I've had it for 15, 15 years and I've never had any issues with it. No, it's never broken on me. It's just got burst bucker V's in it and yeah. sound amazing. It's a, it's a fucking great guitar. And um, yeah, I'm just too scared to change it because when it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what it is, but when I get one, I got to do something to it. Oh, right. You like to. I don't it. know why. I got to do something to it. You know, it's like, I, I think I got one guitar out of all of them that I, I just recently bought a, uh, an Ibanez Prestige. Okay. And uh, I've never, I've always been a Strat guy or a Tele guy. You yeah. know, and I, I have other ones too, but uh, I don't know. I bought this Prestige on a, on a whim, and I tell you what, man, those Japanese made – it's like the Japanese-made Strats. You know, they're really, really good guitars, yeah. and uh, it's the only guitar I haven't done anything to. But right. typically, I'll strip them and <laughs> – Change everything. I'll change everything about them. I, I got – check it out. I got an SG. It's, a, it's an Epiphone, one of the cheap ones. Right. I, I got it in. It's got a 21 position push push wiring harness system in it. That wow. this guy that this guy in New Jersey, he's got a place called the Jersey Shore Guitar Garage. He right. makes crazy wiring harnesses all for all this out of phase and you know. But but it's 21 positions. I've had this guitar now for you know 15 years, and I don't think I've learned how to use four of those. Positions. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> That's it. That's why I like. It sounds cool. Yeah, that's why I like the tellies because it's just like simple. The tellies yeah. in those pools, you got three positions. That's it. Like keep. <laughs> I think the tellies is the best all-around guitar. I really do. Right. I yeah. do. It, it I feels great. Plays yeah. great. Yeah. yeah, I love them. I love it. So what else have you got there? I see the you've got a, is that a thin line telly on the wall and a flying V. 
yeah, I got, I've got, I don't know, I think I've got about 16 tellies. Oh, really? Jeez. Oh, oh. Yeah. I got around, I got around, I don't know, what, 73 guitars? Oh, Jesus. Wow. Yeah. Okay, yeah the, one <laughs> in the, the one in the case is a, uh, that's a 57 strap. Oh, wow. And uh, that over there is, there's a company in Ohio called Sozo. And back when I used to tour for a living, they uh, 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 gave me a V. And, and uh, at the time, I was hosting a radio show, too. And at that time, Steve Lukather had just came out with the transition DiMaggio pickups, and he sent me a set. And so I put a set of those pickups in there. I made it one volume with a th uh, 30 uh, decibel treble boost, you know, on a, on a pull yeah. pot. And uh, now it just hangs on a wall, you know. Right. Oh, <laughs> so, so you were touring for a living before? I did for 17 years. Yeah. Wow. So who, yeah, who, I played. Who, I played with Buddy. I played with Buddy Miles and oh, Chaka wow. Khan and uh, oh, oh my God. God, a lot of the Chicago blues cats. You know, Junior Wells and Sun Seals and AC Reed and. Wow, that's awesome, man! I didn't know that. Yeah, well, a lot of people don't. <laughs> Who am I? You know, it's like, I'm in the presence of greatness. I didn't even realize. Sorry, bro. No, no, not at all, man. Not at all. But uh, yeah. It, it, and you know what? It's funny. I did the radio show for three and a half years and I absolutely loved it. And so uh, like you, like a lot of people back in um, before the beginning of 2020, I recorded an album and I use Walter Trout's band, uh, Johnny oh. Graparic on bass and Michael Lazier on drums. You know, oh, good friends yeah, of mine. Michael's my friend. Yeah, I'm friends with Michael. Because yeah. I've done shows with Walter. Walter's a mate of mine. Yeah, they're great people. And so I recorded an album or an EP with them. Cool. And I was going to release it in March. And I got an agent in Nashville and was going to tour and stuff like that. And everything kind of, you know, you know, things happen. Yeah. And so uh, in about January, a friend of mine says, you know, you ought to go back and do your radio show again. And I started thinking about it and I decided, well, what the hell? And so in, in July, I launched this podcast and, um, you know, just to kind of get back into it. And yeah. uh it's been it's been a great thing because it's gotten me back into playing a lot more than I've ever played before in my life. And uh, because I, I, I listen to guys like you, I come across guys like you and I, I pay attention to what you're doing and stuff like that. And it, it inspires me. It's, young people inspire me when I see a young guy like yourself come along that can really play, really sing, really entertain. It's inspiring and, and it drives me. Cool. Yeah. Good, and, good. It push, and it pushes me in that. And so I actually cover a couple of the tunes. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Which ones? Yeah. Uh, uh, Don't Cry For Me. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then the the cover one off of uh, any, it was it, uh, the, it was the name of the album. Uh, the last album you did in 18. Take It No More? Oh, no, yeah. No. Anytime You Need Me. Anytime you need me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I forgot the name of my own album there. <laughs> yeah, well, I forgot too, and I was just listening to it, and so. Uh, oh, that's yeah, cool. and also I've I've done your version of "Start the Car," which which I really like. Yeah, did you know the original? Yeah. Yeah, what a tune! I'd never heard it before. That was a that was an idea of um, my producer actually to uh, to cover that Jude Cole song. But what a fucking great tune that was! And I was like, oh man, we got to do this. This is great. <laughs> yeah, you did, you did a killer job on it. Oh, thanks. Yeah, you, we did did a really, you did a really good job on the Jeff Healy tune too. 
the I think I love you too much. Yeah. yeah. That was Great. fun. That was with my friend Ainsley Lister. I don't know if you know, you've heard of Ainsley Lister. Yeah. Yeah. He's right. a good, good friend of mine. I was in Germany. The show I did in Germany in September was just a duo with me and him just playing electric guitars, but no band. Yeah. Uh, so it's fun. You know, he's a, he's an amazing player and he's one of the guys I, I looked up to a lot when I was, when I was just starting out, you know, I used to go and watch him when I was 15, 16 and just be kind of in awe. And then uh, for him to now be a good friend and, you know, he invites me out to come and play shows with him. It's like, Dream come true, you know, when your heroes become your mates. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's really cool when that happens. Yeah. In that. But uh, I'll tell you what, Ben, I appreciate you taking some time out of your day to, to chat with me in that. I really love your plan. I really do. I'm, I'm excited to see what you're going to do next. And, uh, you know, you get over to the United States, let me know. Yeah, We'll do. Definitely want to come see you play. Yeah, I'm supposed yeah. to be in Omaha, Nebraska, playing some shows next June. So, yeah, and who knows? I've got some connections. Maybe there's some dates you know I can help you get. Mate, that would be amazing because it's not yeah. the furthest away, right? Chicago from sort of that area. It's not mega from Oklahoma. From Oklahoma it's not really from, you know from Nebraska. Five hours, six hours from from, from Nebraska. Oh, from Nebraska? Yeah, we're not that far from Nebraska. Uh, yeah, once again, you know, probably about, depending on where you're going in Nebraska, you said Omaha? Omaha, yeah. Yeah, probably about six hours. Okay, it's not it's not killer. No, not at all. There's a lot of great places around there. You got, you know, uh, in Kansas City, you know, you got knuckleheads in Kansas City. I heard, I, heard, I was supposed to do a show there, yeah. Yeah, and Callahan's in... Uh, uh, Springfield, Missouri, and then uh, uh, BB's Jazz Blues and Soups in St. Louis, Slippery Noodle in Indianapolis. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, heard of that. you could you could tear it up. Yeah, great. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm gonna we'll see what happens with this whole COVID thing, and then I can kind of make some plans and see what we can do. <laughs> yeah, well, I appreciate you taking the time though, Ben. It was Thank a pleasure talking with you. I appreciate you having me on. Much what, what years? What years? The Marshall. Uh, it's a it's a reissue, but I just I always wanted a blues breaker because you know I grew up listening to the uh, listening to the Clapton, yeah. the Beano album. So it's a it's just um, oh, I don't even know how old it is. It's only a reissue though, so it's not one of these. Um, it's not an actual proper old vintage one or one of the yeah. high end sort of hand hand wired ones. Kind of like they're a lot more expensive. I just wanted. Do you know what? It's more just for the look. <laughs> it just looks great in the house. <laughs> yeah, I got a '67, and I absolutely oh, love man. it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah I don't come out of the house too often. <laughs> I've used it in the studio, but not out of the house too often anymore. How, in how the does, early days, I used it a lot. How does it sound? Oh, it sounds it sounds amazing. It? You know, it sounds amazing. I actually uh, started using the uh, the new uh, SV20 uh, Plexis, the small 20 watt heads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, those are killer. Yeah. Those are those are really, really killer. I don't know why I, I started moving away to the smaller wattage amps because yeah. my main amps are usually I usually either use two rock or foosh. Oh mate. Yeah. Play yeah. Yeah. It, but uh recently, you know, I went to a I tried a Mesa Boogie Fillmore, which was a twenty five watt amp, which is built on the fender basement platform. Okay. Okay. It's, it's a dual channel. It's the same channel, uh, two same channels, but it is. It's a great killer, clean platform, and uh, I don't. I don't use distortion on my amps typically. Yeah. 
I don't know about you, you know, if, if you, I, I do things through pedals, but, uh, oh, so you play clean, clean channel and use pedals for the, for the de- color. Depending, depending on what amps I'm playing, but for the most part, yeah. You right. know, for the most part, that's, that's what I like. I like the, I've been using the, the free the tone fire mist. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. A yeah. Great, great pedal. It's their, their plexi. And then of course I use the ethos. I don't know if you're familiar with the ethos overdrive. No, but, not, not so much. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a, it's a D style, like a dumbbell type pedal. Uh, okay. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'm not, the, to be honest, I'm not the biggest gear person in the world. Yeah. Like there's a lot what yeah, um, as compared to most guitar players, I'm I'm not so up on all the gear stuff. Oh uh, yeah. I have quite a lot, but I just yeah. <laughs> I, but I, the way I play, I like to have a bit of crunch on the amp. I don't like clean amps. That's why I, I hate flying in, hate flying into shows where you get given like a fender twin or something. Because yeah. it's like, what do I do with this? To use that properly or for, for the way that I like to play. Um, otherwise, you have to crank it up, and then you can never do that with a Fender Twin because they're way too loud. Um, right. So yeah, because I like a li- just a little bit of crunch from from the amps. Um, yeah. So like the the deluxe reverbs are quite like the the Fender deluxe reverbs. You can crank them up a little bit and get a bit of break up. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Is is it your main amp? Isn't it a Hampstead? Yeah, Hampstead. I have it. Uh, it's not here at the moment actually. It's uh, at my parents' house because I need to get it fixed. <laughs> I've got all my other amps here. Got my uh, Pro Reverb as well. You see that? That's oh, a yeah. 1974, which uh, that's a great amp. Yeah. Uh, and I like that again because it breaks up a little bit sooner than the than the the uh, the twins. Right. I love that. Right. But yeah, mainly using Hampstead. I've been using them for like four or five years, and great great uh, company. It's like a father son team that that started them off, and I was one of the first first players that started using them. Now they're now they're selling all over all over the world. So. It's cool to see them doing really well. Yeah, the 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 engineer at the studio that I recorded at last time, and that's what he uses a Hampstead. Oh, awesome! Yeah, I I, I had I wasn't familiar with it, you know, yeah. personally at that time in that, but you that's know, awesome. that's so awesome that they managed to make it over, and now people are seeing them out in the states. Because when when I started playing them like five six years ago, they were just starting in a small little factory in Cambridge near to where I grew up, and you know, they had nobody playing them. They hardly had any stock. You know, they were like literally, that was it. They were starting, you know, that was the very beginning of the company. And now it's cool to see them players all over the world, get out touring with them and yeah, yeah. all over the world. Yeah. 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 It's a great sounding amp. Well, you, 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 your sound is, yeah, to me, it's classic. I mean, it's, 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 per, it's the perfect blues rock kind of, you know, tone. I mean, it's, it's perfect. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> you can tell you can tell there's not a lot of a crap on it. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's not yeah. processed, and it doesn't you know it doesn't come across that way. So when you record, are you you recording with the Hamstead? Are you recording live? Yeah, uh, or are you using any of the plugins or Kemper or anything like that in the it's studio? All, it's all amps. No, none, none of that stuff. I've I've never even tried any of that stuff to be honest. Um, I've got friends that I've got good friends that swear by them and say they're amazing, but. And I, get, I should probably give them a try before I knock before I start knocking them. You know, <laughs> right. I was always like, ah, oh, it's never going to be as good as plugging into a real real classic amp with, you know, I don't know, just everything that's going on. But, but in the studio, it's, I use so many different amps. It's hard to remember what I've used on which song because we like change change amp, change guitars on almost like every part a lot of the time. Yeah. 
So you know, you can you can take your amps and you can sample your amps and you can put them into the Kemper. Yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Carl Verhagen has about, I don't know, he's got about 100 amps. And he's, you know, they're all classic. I mean, all the iconic amps that you can imagine. Yeah. And that's what he did one time because everybody kept pressing him on, oh, you got to try to Kemper and Kemper and Kemper. And so uh, he went and they spent all this time in the studio and they sampled everything and put in the Kemper and he takes it as a backup. Okay. And that's his backup amp. You know, so he's, how, how does he feel about it then? Is he, is he a big fan of them now then? Or no, 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 no he's, 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 he's old school, man. He likes air pushing on the back of his legs, you know? That's it, man. That's it. Yeah. That's what you're not going to get. There's something that there's something to be said for, for just the, the real valves and, yeah, everything that goes into a classic amp. But yeah. there's a lot. There's a lot of bands using them now. You yeah. know, especially a lot of the young rock bands. You know, you look at guys like uh, Blacktop Mojo, and I don't know if you're familiar with you know some of the South of Eden and some of these rock bands that are coming up in that. But that's all they're using is really. Is yeah, I mean, it's. I guess it's kind of easy, especially if you're fly, if you're flying in for shows and stuff. It makes total sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I don't know. I'm scared. I'm skeptical. I'm still a skeptic right now until I try it myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's different. It's hard. To, it's it's hard if you're an analog guy. It's hard to. But they do sound amazing. It's like a fractal or you know a good helix, and that if they're if they're set up right, they sound amazing. I mean, you'll never you can't really tell the difference. Okay, so there you go, uh, Ben Poole, right here on Guitar Talk with me, Jimmy Warren. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Uh, you can go to BenPooleBand.com to learn more about him, his releases, his products, his tours, all that good stuff. I know that he doesn't, I don't think he's ever been to the U.S., toured the U.S. I know he would really like to come here. It would be amazing to get him over here. That would be a fact. But uh, you can go to Spotify and Google and all those great places and get his music. Of course, we're going to watch him live on YouTube because he's got some really cool stuff out there. I think you'll really dig it and enjoy it. So, uh, hey, next, uh, next, next show, man, on the 7th, just a few days, I've got Alex uh, Byrot from Primal Fear and Voodoo Circle coming to you from Hamburg, Germany, a really great guitar player. And then also on the 10th of this month, my guest is Ricky Medlock of Leonard Skinner. So we've got a lot of great stuff coming up for you right here on Guitar Talk with Jimmy Warren. Do me a favor, go to uh, Jimmy Warren Radio on Facebook and follow us, please. Make sure that you go to uh, Guitar Talk Official for absolutely everything that you need to know about what's going on. And we have launched Guitar Talk TV. So all of these interviews that have been done in Zoom and on Skype, you can watch them. We also have a variety of video segments. We've got... Uh, a series called Gear Life, which is demos and reviews and lessons. And then we've got another series called Hidden Gems, where we spotlight 
amazing guitar players from all over the world that we think you should know about. And we have a brand new series called Techniques in Tone with the Pros that's going to be releasing real soon. That's where you're going to get all kinds of really cool insight to how the pros do specific things. Like, for instance, how does Andy Timmons set up his Strymon timeline? There's a secret right there. Ah, 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 it's going to be there. So uh, go to guitartalkofficial.com. And until uh, the 7th, with my guest is Alex Byrot from uh, Primal Fear and Voodoo Circle, I'm Jimmy Warren. Thank you so much for tuning in to Guitar Talk. <laughs>